Good morning, morning crew. Welcome to the podcast that helps you get your day started the right way. My name is Jackson and I'm the host of this lovely podcast where we discuss building successful habits, finding sources of motivation, and focusing on building a positive and optimistic environment in our lives. Today on The Morning Crew, our special guest is Mayor Jim Brainerd of Carmel, Indiana. Mayor Brainerd has served as Carmel's mayor for seven consecutive terms. Throughout Mayor Brainerd's tenure, Carmel has absolutely exploded and is considered one of the fastest growing cities in the United States, with the population growing from around 25,000 to over 100,000 in the last 25 years alone. Carmel has been honored with many awards for its high quality of life and environmental initiatives. Carmel is among Money Magazine's best places to live in America. It was voted number three in 2014 and number one in the entire country in 2012 for cities with a population of 50,000 to 300,000. The city was also awarded first place in the Climate Protection Awards from the U.S. Conference of Mayors for its roundabout program. In addition to being Carmel's mayor, Mayor Brainerd serves as a trustee and co-chair of the Energy Independence and Climate Protection Task Force for the United States Conference of Mayors. In November of 2013, he was appointed to the Task Force on Climate Preparedness and Resilience by President Barack Obama. In 2015, he traveled to four cities in India to represent the United States as part of the U.S. State Department's Speakers Bureau. Also in 2015, he was asked to speak on energy and climate policy at the German-American centers in five German cities. In 2016, he was asked to speak on climate change and urban design in Rome at the International Making Cities Livable Conference. He has also been a guest lecturer for Georgetown University, Butler University, Indiana University, and my personal favorite, Purdue University, among others. He often also speaks to city councils and planning commissions across the United States about city design and development. I could honestly keep going on and on about Mayor Brainerd's accolades, but let's get right into my discussion with the man himself. Well, Mayor James Brainerd, welcome. We are so happy to have you here on The Morning Crew. It's great to be with you, Jackson. Uh, Beautiful day here in Carmel. It's 75 and sunny. I wish every day were like that. Oh, me too, me too. We do better with our economic development, you know, when I'm trying to attract somebody from San Diego (laughs) or wherever, you know, city shows off well on a day like this. Oh, absolutely. Um, So, Mayor Brainerd, I just want to dive right into it. Um, Tell me how you got to the point to where you're at. Did you always know that you wanted to get into local politics? What was kind of your your dream or your aspiration growing up? I'll tell you a little bit of background. I grew up in a little town in Indiana called Bristol, Indiana, which is uh, north of Goshen and east of Elkhart. My dad was a school band director there. My mother gave piano lessons. Um, She graduated from Elkhart High School, uh, then went to uh, Butler University and was graduated in 1976. Went off to law school in Ohio. Got to spend a little bit of time in England during law school. Uh, and then came back to Indianapolis and opened a practice. I was always interested in politics and government. Uh, I was a history major at Butler. So, so the two go hand in hand. You know, you're studying the history of how our government and, and the uniqueness in the United States came to be. Um, but as I've done this for many years now as mayor, you know, I've learned that I really don't enjoy the political side very much. What I like is the city management side. In Indiana, mayors are are the city managers 
in essence. Not in essence, they just are. Uh, so I hire and occasionally we have to uh, switch uh, department heads. They're just like the president hires uh, her cabinet or his cabinet. Uh, and I submit a budget to the legislative branch, the city council every year. Once they can lower it, but they can't raise it without my agreement. And then once that budget's approved by the city council, then eventually by the state to make sure it's enough funding, you know, we don't do something crazy. Uh, then um, for the next year, I get to manage the city and that budget sets the priorities, but day-to-day -day management, dealing with our 700 some employees, my 14 department heads um, and, uh, making the city run, whether it's fire, police, streets, uh, all the things, redevelopment, economic development, utilities or water, uh, sanitary sewer, stormwater issues, uh, all basically it's, it's up to our team to do that and uh, promote Carmel at the same time and make sure we have a good reputation as a city. Uh, but no, I, you know, your question, I was always interested in politics, uh, worked, for uh, Bill Hudnett, who was the mayor of Indianapolis eventually when I was in college, worked for the Republican State Committee and after my senior year in college for a few months before I went on to grad school. Um, it was all interested in politics, but actually having done it, uh, I, I don't like it, particularly now it's nasty and, and uh, not a lot of fun. Uh, we tend to talk about uh, people more than we do about ideas um, and, and hopefully that'll change. We'll get back to the way it used to be, but um, but this day-to-day -day management, you know, you think about it, there's been great cities built all over the world for thousands of years, but Carmel's a brand new city. When I became mayor, it had 20,000 people. Today it has over 100,000. So it's our generation, our generations, I should say, it's young people, middle-aged people, older people, but it's our group that has this opportunity to build this brand new city. And, you know, I go to London and there's a street that, that was named for something that happened in 1300 and it's still there. The buildings have probably been replaced for the most part. Maybe not that much uh, uh, more recently. Some of them were five, 600 years old, but, but, uh, but the street layouts, the parks, the squares, the traffic flow, um, the names are that old. And so when we make decisions here, I try to say, you know, it's a great responsibility. We're building a city for the next thousand years at least. And so let's do it right. And that's the fun, exciting part to me. Yeah, absolutely. And so is that kind of your mentality when it goes into, you know, what you practice as mayor and kind of as the city planner, as you, as you mentioned, are you, are you really focused on planning for the future? Are you focusing on the present or is there more of a balance between the two there? I really... I think we always have to plan for the future. I try to tell my staff, don't think in 10 or 20 year increments, think in maybe 200 or 1,000 year increments. Wow, wow. When you first started as mayor, you mentioned you know the population only being around 20,000, 25,000, somewhere around there. And now, if I'm reading the numbers right, it's it's cl getting close to 100,000. We're at about 102,000 officially. Wow. According wow. to the okay. American Community Survey, which is part of the Census Bureau. And that was the number at the end of 2021. Yeah. So how do you do that in such a short time? I mean, I guess, you know, 25 years seems like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it's so short. How do you do that? Well, I, th I think, first of all, it's about quality of life. People have choices where they want to spend their lives and live, and thrive and prosper, especially people with university degrees and people with graduate degrees and people with skills uh, that employers want. 
uh, especially with this shortage of workers that we're in. You know, many people, when I got out of grad school, I'd go anywhere for a job because jobs were a little uh, harder to find good ones. Today, there's good ones everywhere. And so people can go to Miami or Boston or Denver or Paris or wherever uh, and, and uh, Honolulu and get a job. And, and we see people actually with grad degrees and college, good college degrees, uh, going to a city, then looking for the job. So it's about where people want to spend their lives. We're going to compete as a city. It's got to have a high quality of life. It's got to be a beautiful place. And we don't have mountains. We don't have oceans. And every day doesn't have the 75 degrees and sunny and white, fluffy white clouds like we do today. We have bad weather. I joke that we're just like Paris, you know, or uh, they had bad weather and no mountains and no oceans and they did just fine. Right, uh, right. But it's about, in many cases, the built environment. Um, and, and the built environment is just not buildings, it's parks and trails. And it's a culture that's built too of, of, of a place that people know that regardless of their background, their place of origin, their religion, their race, they can thrive and prosper in this place. And that's the reputation that Carmel's been building. And I think that's uh, responsible for why we've grown so quickly. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to spend your life. Absolutely. And one thing that I absolutely love about Carmel is just how accessible everything is. You know, there's walking trails, there's sidewalks, there's, you can take your bike anywhere. And um, I, I took a course a couple of years ago at Purdue, uh, just a basic public health course. But one thing that we mentioned in that course was um, we were talking about how communities that you know have walking access, biking access, it's not just super busy roads or anything like that. They thrive because their individuals are healthier and happier. And um, I know that one of your big focuses as mayor is you know increasing you know healthy conscious living in Carmel, Indiana. And as a certified personal trainer and somebody who's a huge proponent for you know health, fitness, and activity. Um, how do you think that has impacted your citizens of Carmel? Well, it has been a huge impact. First of all, we're disciples of the book written by Richard Jackson, who's an MD and has a master's in public health, and a guy named Howard Frumpkin. Uh, it's urban sprawl in public health. Okay. And uh, in fact, he, he, uh, Jackson, who did the bulk of the writing, I believe, was a professor at UCLA and then taught in his retirement at Berkeley. Uh, living in Berkeley today, but Notre Dame gave him their Dry House Prize, their Cache Prize, a very prestigious award for writing this book. But mm. one of the data points in that book is that if you walk 10 minutes to and from work, obesity rates go down by over 30%. And wow. overweight weight rates go down by over 30% as well. You know, two separate categories, overweight and obese are different categories. Mm-hmm. And they both go down it's just 10 minutes, Monday through Friday, to and from work. So we have built our cities in this country since World War II. Think about it like this. We had 10,000 years plus of building cities for people, for pedestrians. Then the car comes along. We got over 25% car ownership for the first time after World War II in the late 1940s. And we started building our cities for cars, not people. And we designed with single-use zoning. And that means all the stores over here and all the schools over here and all the houses over here people had to drive from place to place and because of that there's much it generates more traffic if you're able to walk or make short trips because of mixed use zoning where you have stored result mixed up uh as it has been traditionally throughout human history uh you get people out of their cars they can walk more places uh less pollution 
uh, healthier people. Um, but it's got to be an interesting walk. Nobody goes for a, uh, a romantic walk past the uh, Walmart uh, parking lot. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you have to take all those things into account when you're building a city, which is why in downtown Carmel, when we do our public-private partnerships, we require retail on the ground floor and housing or office above. We get the cars underground. Uh, it's also very good financially for the taxpayers uh, because you're doing this in areas where you already have all the expensive services in place. Fire police are very expensive to provide water, sewer pipes, uh, roads, perimeter roads, 10, $12 million a mile for one uh, for a mile of road from scratch. Wow. Wow. Fire stations, several million dollars every year to staff. So if you're sprawling out, uh, which Jackson argued against in his book, uh, you're creating a lot of sprawl. If you, you work in your older areas in the center of the city and create this walkable area, you're creating a great tax base as well. Um, and we don't want to go too high. There's also, uh, in his book, he talks about uh, uh, vertical sprawl. And the Japanese even have a name for it, you know, as suicides, these people living in these tall towers. So we're keeping it about the same level as... Uh, the Europeans did before structural steel was invented, about five, six stories is the max. People say it's high density. I say, no, 100-story towers in Singapore, that's high density. Oh, yeah. Not high density. This is low urban density, just the minimum amount we need to create a walkable city where people can do most errands without having to get into their car. Well, I want to kind of digress a little bit from um, things in terms of Carmel, and I want to talk about you a little bit more personally. So um, do you have a specific routine in the morning that you go through? I know you're a very busy individual, but how do you balance, you know, uh, you have a work-life balance uh, as a mayor in a, in a city that's growing incredibly rapidly? So. Well, the first thing that happens in the morning is a beeline for the coffee pot because caffeine is important. <laughs> Absolutely. I want a coffee. And, you know, studies have indicated that it's not a bad thing recently, so that's good, too. But I like my coffee. And no, every day is different. But, you know, I'm a morning person by biology. I think everybody has an inclination one way or the other, either evening or morning. I'm definitely a morning person. But my job has so many evening events that it's it, that it has uh, played havoc with that natural biology, I think. So I'm very careful in the morning not to schedule breakfast meetings unless it's super, super, super important. Because if you're burning the candle, to use the old saying, at both ends, you you burn out. I've done this for 27 years. And yeah. so I've protected my personal time in the mornings. And, and, you know, once the pandemic started, too, I found out I get a lot of work done at home before I actually go into the office. I'm at home yeah. this morning doing this podcast. And I wrote to uh, help write three legal documents this morning, made a bunch of phone calls, answered emails wow. uh, <laughs> all before 10 o'clock. I wouldn't have gotten that much done in my uh, office at work. Uh, but I will. After this interview, I am going into the office and, and uh, meet with some people and do work there as well. Uh, I like to exercise. That's important. I like to walk. I snow ski in the winter. Try to swim a bit in the summer. A better skier than I am a swimmer. <laughs> um, but, you know, the nice thing with electronics and, and communication today is you can work from almost anywhere. Uh, so I... I uh, do that, but it's important to get rest. And, and uh, I have a high energy level, I think. And it's uh, that's perfect for this job. Yeah, absolutely. And so, do you feel more productive in the in the morning since you consider yourself more of a morning person? I'm the same yeah. way, and I just feel like I get so much more done in the morning. You know, I feel 
not necessarily burnt out, but a little more fatigued towards the evening. So I feel like if I prioritize, you know, things that I can just work on without distractions in the morning, then I can be a lot more productive. Is that the same for you? Exactly. You described it well. I can probably get three times done in a two-hour block in the morning than I could in the evening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm the exact same way. And um, I want to ask you, so in terms of your own, you know, experiences and I guess your personal beliefs on it, how would you personally define success? This is a very broad question, but it's meant to be broad. I think, first of all, for those of us who have children, uh, number one upon that list is having successful, productive, and happy children. Mm. Uh, and I think to be happy, you have to believe that you're contributing to make life better for other people. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I, I, that's you know, if I had done something today that's going to improve somebody else's life, uh, done your job well, um, made certain that you haven't done anything in the negative that that uh, would hurt or make a person feel badly. But have you made the world a little bit better every day? And if you do that, I think you're happy. And uh, if you make certain your children are well-educated, have opportunities, it's up to them, of course, but make sure they have good opportunities for education um, and and uh, are happy, have the opportunity to be happy if they choose to be. And this happiness is many times a choice. Uh, I think that's, those are the things that I look to. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you mentioned your children. So I'm going to kind of segue that into another one of my questions that I have for you, which is if you were to look back at your younger self, maybe when you were a kid going through high school, college, whatever it may be, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Get better grades. (laughs) I had decent grades, but I could have done better. Yeah, yeah. Take more risk at a younger age. Okay. I was well, cautious when I was young. I wish I'd taken a few more risks. And what do you mean by that? Well, risks in business, risks in uh, reach colleges, uh, risks in uh, in um, every every human endeavor. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And um, what is one of the biggest challenges that you faced in life? Whether it's been in your role as a mayor, um, you know, growing up. Uh, whatever other careers you might have had before um, being the mayor of Carmel, what was the biggest challenge you faced and how did you react to it? How did you adapt to it? I I don't know if there's one that I would identify, but I think we have daily challenges and that is to uh, be happy and to contribute. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, probably the biggest challenge as mayor has been dealing with negative people that personalize when they disagree with you about something they call you names and say nasty things about you and, and ridicule you know uh, mm-hmm. ridicule and that's not the way representative government should be it should be a discussion a respectful discussion about different ideas i think everybody's goal is the same as to you know in city government to create a great place for people to live and work and thrive and raise their families and retire be a kid uh, and people, human nature being what it is, diversity of people who have different ideas about how to accomplish that. But people should not be uh, vilified for having a different idea. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to pound out those ideas and uh, back them with evidence uh, and uh, try to come up with the best solution in a collaborative uh, 
democratic way. You know, democratic government, uh, representative government is much harder than an autocracy. Autocracy is easy. You turn it over to somebody and let them run it. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot of dangers with that too, but it's a lot easier. And, and so representative government, the founders talked about this, is, whether it's local, national, state, is, is much harder. Um, and it's important that we have a respectful discussion about opposing ideas. If we do that, we can succeed at representative government to the extent that it comes into vilifying the other side. Uh, we're gonna struggle with our uh, form of government. Absolutely, yeah. Oh man, yeah. It's especially you know, with today's climate and everything going on, you know, it, it's so easy to see like every everybody's just being so vilified. Whether you're on opposing sides of the aisle, if you have a different opinion, all that. Leaders kind of stuff. from every political perspective need to step up and say we should not vilify other people's ideas or them. Yeah, I, I agree, and you know, I'm I'm not really involved in politics personally, but I have a little bit of a presence on social media, and I, I see it through that as well not just through you know political ideals but like if somebody you know says something that another person might disagree with whether it's in the fitness community which i i am very involved in um you know people are very quick to criticize and condemn rather than you know educate or try to you know make things right um in a positive manner and i think that's very important i think we need to be a lot more positive in our responses one, you mentioned uh, being a uh, certified personal trainer and you're mm -hmm. studying physical therapy. I should mention to you, you asked about routine. I left out a very important thing. Twice a week, I go to my certified uh, physical trainer and, and he stretches me and tries to keep uh, <laughs> my old uh, body in shape as much as he can. There you go. So, so are you a big uh, advocate for personal training then? <laughs> I am stretching and yeah. Uh, you know, you have to get somebody who knows what they're doing. I see a lot of people that overdo it with weights and you know, work with people who don't really know what they're doing. And, and uh, it, it, see, this with professional athletes sometimes. You don't have more injuries. But um, get a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Get a good Find one. Um, it can be really beneficial to people. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, I kind of want to bring that um, to another question that I have here, um, which is sort of for the crowd. So our audience here um, is coming from all over the world, different age ranges. Um, but if you had a message that you would tell them, one specific message, it could be maybe a, a quote that you love to hear or just a general message um, for you know, motivational purposes, what would that be? Make life for the people around you better. Uh, if we all did that, the world would be a much better place. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that's... pretty not... simple. You remember that book a few years ago? You learned everything you needed to know in kindergarten? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody wrote this book. Yeah, and I've it heard was, of it. It was just sort of going back to the basics. So, you know, be nice to other people. Contribute. Make right. the world a better place. We all learned that when we were five and six and seven years old. And if we all just did that, um, the world would be a much better place. Absolutely. And I think, it, you know, it goes back to the golden rule, as simple as it is, you know, treat others how you wish to be treated. And That one too. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I feel like that's been kind of the theme of, you know, the podcast so far. You know, you've talked about um, in your city planning, policy making, all that kind of stuff 
and as well as in your life, your your goal is to, you know, be happy and to provide opportunity for people to make it just a great place to live. And so I can, I can really appreciate that as, you know, somebody who... Not to back down on ideas you believe are right to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Compromise, perhaps, but don't back down just because you get... That's important, too. You have to have some uh, nerve there. Yeah. To, especially when you're talking about new ideas and different ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't can't really get walked over all the time either. That's for right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for your beliefs. Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple more personal questions for you, and then I, I know you're very busy, so I'll, I'll let you get back to it. But I want to ask you, and, you know, if you're not comfortable with answering this, that's all right. But do you have any aspirations after being the mayor of Carmel? Any yeah, larger aspirations? The private sector, I don't have aspirations for other political office. Gotcha. Um, you know, people say, you want a higher office. And I say, well, I think I have the highest office. You know, <laughs> uh, you go to the state house, you're separated from your constituents. Mm. Uh, you have much less ability to impact people's lives. You go to Washington, you even have less ability to impact you know, being mayor, working on the local level, I think is the absolute best, uh, best political job one can have. Absolutely. And if you had somebody in the audience listening today who might want to get into local politics, what would you tell them? Would yeah, it just stay be... on federal and national politics and okay. state politics. Focus on your community. And, and if the best and brightest people do that, uh, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, absolutely. You'll get asked time to time, why don't you run for that office? We need somebody good at the state capitol or in Washington, but start at the local level. Yeah. Don't be afraid about staying at the local level. That's where people can make the greatest difference. I like that. I like that. And yeah, I, I definitely see, you know, the impact that you've had on the, the town of Carmel. And, you know, I, I've, I had a, a history teacher in middle school, actually, who went on to be the mayor of Winchester, and so that was one of his biggest aspirations too. And he, um, you know, he really wanted to affect his community at the local level. And I think you know you can be a lot more hands-on from that position. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and then one final question for you: um, What's next for the city of Carmel? Carmel is growing and growing and growing. But what what's coming up? Can you give us a sneak peek, a sneak preview? <laughs> Oh, we have lots of things. We're working with a private foundation to help them build the Great American Songbook Museum. You know, Nashville, Tennessee has Country Museum, and Cleveland, Ohio has the Rock and Roll Museum. Yeah. This is a genre. You know, Hobie Carmichael World Stardust from Indiana, and, and um, uh, Cole Porter uh, is from Indiana. Uh, you had uh, George and Ira Gershwin, Irving mm-hmm. Berlin, all these songs from the 30s and 40s are tremendous part of our cultural history in this country and it tells the story of our country through the depression and world war ii and, and being able to have this internationally renowned museum in carmel it, it would be a wonderful thing we're continuing to build boulevards where the old county roads are farm to market roads for those people outside the midwest um you know you get the tree you get rid of the heat island created by roads you get trees down in the middle I assume most of your listeners know that we built more roundabouts than any yeah. other North American, probably the world. We're not sure of that. We were 148 <laughs> by the end of the summer. Wow. And we're down to just a handful of traffic lights. But the reason we do that is because of safety. 
uh, our um, fatality rate is one six the national average in Carmel. Wow. <laughs> and one six the rate of Indianapolis, which we share a street with, same drivers, same weather, but it's because of the safety of the roundabouts, elimination of left-hand turns and slower speeds. People speed up to go through a yellow light, and then human error rate really never changes. Better for the environment, the lack of violating, the lack of starting from zero. Uh, thousands of tons of carbon saved every year, and a lot less expensive uh, to build if you're converting a four-way four-way stop. And a lot, uh, you know, traffic light costs 400 grand today. Wow! Oh my goodness, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and then you have to replace it every 25 years, and you know, electricity 24/7 all year. Um, can be several thousand dollars per light. You take that wow. times 150 lights. That's uh, it's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And and so the round, you know, electrical storm, the, the roundabout continues to function. But here's the big savings. So many times people focus on um, on you know there's congestion. So let's add lanes. And all the engineers are doing are really building a bigger parking lot to get more cars through the green cycle of the light. If you focus the, that funding in, in, you know, 10 to $12 million a mile for a two-lane road, that get, if you're widening lanes between all those stoplights, that's a huge amount of money. But if we focus on fixing the intersections, we don't have to widen all those streets. And and that's the big cost savings. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we're I know. During that. A lot of that, we're taking a lot of the old county roads, and turning them into boulevards. We're, we're getting rid of the last lights. We're doing a lot of... Uh, uh, stormwater work, continuing to do that. We're building a new park up in the north side of Carmel. When I started, we only had uh, uh, a few acres of parkland a day. We have close to a thousand. Um, yeah. We didn't have any bike trails. We, we have a project uh, proposing a, a bond to the city council right now, which would, can, one of the many things that would provide funding for would be to connect the gaps we have in our multi-use trail system. There's a few places where there's expensive culverts that have to be installed, or we don't own the land. And, and there's several million dollars of work to be done to connect our 250 miles of bike trails. Uh, where you live um, on the west side, you can get to downtown Carmel just fine, but there's places where you can't because there's a gap. Mm -hmm. You have to get off and walk the bike for uh, a few hundred yards or something. Mm -hmm. And we want to get all those fixed as well. Um, but those are some of the many things that. Uh, we're, you know, continuing to improve the Monon Trail and 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 work with the private sector through public-private partnerships to get a walkable, pedestrian-friendly downtown built as well. We're looking in the future, maybe having some public transit in the downtown area as well, so people don't have to get their car out of that garage, or maybe get down to one car. Bad weather, jump on on that public transit and go, you know, ten blocks away. Absolutely, wow. Well, it sounds like you've, you've still got a lot on your plate then coming up. And, and I mean, it's it's good to see that, you know, somebody's planning so far in the future. Like you said, you're planning for, you know, hundreds to thousands of years and you, you're modeling um, your ideologies after those major cities like, you know, Paris, New York, you know, all these large cities that have survived the test of time. And so that's, I think that's a really good, um, philosophy to have, not only in, you know, city planning, in um, public office or anything like that, but, you know, in life, you know, think longevity, think, um, take care of yourself now, make the decisions now in order to be successful for the future. I think that's, sure. that's, that's, that's how we can transfer that message over to the individual. So, 
Well, Mayor Brainerd, it has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today, and I really appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate the conversation, and um, yeah, where can people find you? Are you on social media at all? Um, could oh, they... absolutely. So yeah. go to, first of all, you can go to the city's webpage, gotcha. and I have a page on in that webpage. We're about to come out with a new webpage. A totally new website too, but it's it's a good usable site. Lots of great, you know, with thousands of pages, great information, well organized. But go to my uh, site, my page, and email me. Uh, those emails come directly to me. Yeah, and that's probably the best way to get hold of me, or call the office the old-fashioned way, you know. And uh, but emails, the basic way. And, and then we do a lot of news releases. We have a department that promotes the city. And, they're constantly doing, you can go sign up for all of our news releases, get yourself on the list. Anybody can do that. It's a good way to find out what's going on in Carmel. And, and uh, there's also a publication you could Google called Good Day Carmel that one of our city councilmen runs and written by one of our staff members. And it's a daily update Monday through Friday of everything that's happening in Carmel. And uh, you ought to sign up and get your family to sign up as well, Jackson. Oh yeah, I'll get on them about that. <laughs> Good day, Carmel. You can find Good it. Day, Carmel. Sign up for that. I don't have the address handy here, but you can find it pretty easily. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, Mayor, Mayor Brainerd, thank you so much for taking the time. It's good to be with you. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to have Mayor Brainerd on the podcast today. I want to thank him, and I want to thank the city of Carmel, and for everybody who was involved in putting this together. Um, If you would like to learn more about the Morning Crew podcast, you can visit jacksonryanfitness.com slash morningcrew, and there you can find our recent podcast episodes, you can find uh, merchandise that's available for sale, you can get into contact with us if you are interested in joining the podcast or know somebody who might be interested in joining the podcast, and you can also join our Discord community, which is linked on that page as well. If you want to follow me, my name is Jackson. As I mentioned, uh, you can follow me on Instagram um, and TikTok and find my YouTube channel. All of those are at Jackson Ryan Fitness. That is all for this episode of the Morning Crew Podcast. Feel free to join us again next time. Today, I want to challenge you to make somebody else's day better. Make somebody smile. Do a good deed. Let's spread a little positivity today. All right, let's get after it. See you guys next time.